I'd ask you to turn to Psalm 23, Psalm 23, and we've been singing about our good, great shepherd, the Lord, and uh, in Psalm 23, this is one of the most popular verses in all of the Bible, especially the Old Testament, and this text, while very well known, speaks greatly of the character and actions of God, the Lord, Yahweh, as the good shepherd. David speaks as one in need of comfort and protection and satisfaction, and he finds it in the right place. So I have a question, a few questions. Have you ever been in need of satisfaction? Have you ever felt alone or in danger? Or have you ever wandered spiritually or ever thought about giving up or just felt hopeless? If you have ever found yourself in any of those situations or find yourself there now today, then this scripture is for you. David, in this text, will point us to where he finds that lasting satisfaction and hope. Like many of you, I've been thinking and praying this last week um, of those Marines, the Navy corpsman and the Army soldier, the 13 individuals who lost their lives in Afghanistan. I can only hope they knew Christ. Friday evening, I received a call on my on-duty phone, uh, my chaplain phone, and it was a number from the other side of the country. And it was a pastor. And he was reaching out, looking for a chaplain. And this was a family that I had never seen before. And the family had lost their son. He was murdered. It's been a tough week. Uh, but their other son was right there as he received this news, and I was counseling with him and helping him. Praise the Lord, they were a Christian family, but it was, as expected, still very hard and difficult to hear that your brother was murdered. After being with him a while and grieving and crying for a few minutes, even with him, this passage is where I turned. And over FaceTime, I read this with he and his family, and I know that this passage was an incredible encouragement to them. So this morning, as we read, I believe it will be to you as well. I'm going to be reading from the LSB, Psalm 23. Yahweh is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of Yahweh forever. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, I pray that you would fill your servant now as I preach and proclaim your word. God, that we would be encouraged by the good shepherd and how he cares for us as his sheep. I pray these things in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. When I was a young boy, between the ages of 8 and 10, uh, I would often wander about in stores. And uh, I'll never forget one time I was shopping with my mom, or my mom was shopping with me, however you look at it. Um, but one day I got so excited about all the cool things in the toy aisle, and I had no idea how far I had wandered from my mother. And 
She was right there one second, and then the next, she was gone, right? Or was it I who was gone? Had I wandered from her? I had lost her, and in a moment, I felt hopeless in my effort to find her. I was confused and even a little scared. You can imagine being eight years old in a big Walmart being scared. But do you know what happened? Soon I just forgot that I had lost her. And I started looking at all these toys and being amused by them and playing in the bike rack with all the games. I was looking for satisfaction in all the wrong places. I was lost like a sheep without a shepherd or a boy without his mother. And I didn't even care much that I was lost. You see, every human being enters life spiritually lost and wandering in this dangerous world, and they're lacking true satisfaction, protection, comfort, and goodness. And what's worse is they have no idea often of their lost condition. And like a sheep, the many distractions in life keep them from recognizing their true need, which is to be found. So I'd like for you to understand this morning that God is ever-present with his sheep. So you must follow, trust, and exalt him in every circumstance. Again, God is ever-present with his sheep, so you must follow, trust, and exalt him in every circumstance. So here's our outline this morning. The good shepherd restores. The good shepherd protects. And the good shepherd provides. The good shepherd restores, the good shepherd protects, and the good shepherd provides. Beginning in verse 1, we see Yahweh is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. So clearly, he restores my soul. The good shepherd restores. So I'd encourage you, This morning, as we look at this text, here's a big takeaway. If you know the Lord, you need nothing else. If you know the Lord, you need nothing else. John 10, famous passage, verses 14 through 16, Jesus says this. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. So again, if you know the Lord, you need nothing else. Why is this true? Well, because the Lord is the caregiver of his sheep. Look again at verse 1 says, Yahweh is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is the caregiver. This is a personal idea. There's a personal understanding here, a personal truth and reality that the Lord is the caregiver of his sheep. He is your shepherd, not just a shepherd. He's your shepherd. He is not the shepherd of all people, only his people. Those who are in a relationship with him through Jesus Christ, he is their shepherd. The shepherd, in ancient biblical times and even today, would know his sheep intimately. 
each individual one in a very personal way. He would know their tendencies and their specific weaknesses. He would know how to keep them healthy. He would know their ailments. He would know them personally. He is your shepherd. So what David says in this psalm, he says, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. In other words, he knows that the Lord is a restoring Lord. And David makes this declaration as a sheep of the Lord's flock. He says, I shall not want because the Lord is the satisfaction of his sheep. The sheep need nothing else because their shepherd supplies their needs. So those who know the Lord are led to inward peace, to restoration, and to righteousness. And he continues on saying this idea. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He restores my soul by the quiet waters, by the green pastures. There's peace that the Lord provides to his sheep. Some interesting notes here uh, from a book on this subject. Sheep will not lie down unless they are free of fear, free from friction with other kinds of um, animals or pests and free from hunger. They really have to be kind of like a baby, just completely content in order to lay down. People are restless and agitated, disturbed and discontented, and they're much like sheep, right? And while the unknown and unexpected cause of fear and anxiety is real, we can rest in the fact that our shepherd is aware and willing to help. He's there. And so this mind is a mind that is at peace. The world is pictured as this barren land where green pastures are where God takes us to, okay? As the good shepherd to delight in him and to enjoy So the Lord is peace to his sheep. He is a shepherd that brings us to peace. Also, the Lord is the leader of his sheep, the leader of his sheep. And here in this passage, we see the idea of beside the still quiet waters. He leads me. As we just sang, he leads us as his people. And to drink of this water means to take in, to believe in, to believe in what he is doing and who he is. So Jesus, he knows our human hearts. He knows our personalities. He knows our souls. He has an intimate understanding and relationship with each and every one of his sheep. And only through God's energy, effort, and strength can his sheep be satisfied. It's through him. But then he gives us this interesting phrase at the very end of verse 3. Look at it if you would says, he restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness. And then he says, for his namesake, for his namesake. And what is the name, the covenant name of God? It is Yahweh. God is a covenant keeping God. He will not break his oath to himself because there is by no greater name that he can make an oath. It's the covenant name. He is going to lead us. So we see this in Verse 3 and in verse 1, he is our shepherd. So the good shepherd restores. The good shepherd restores. Restoration, that idea, that's interesting, right? Restoration, it means to bring something back to its original condition. Restoration projects. I've done a few of these, different houses that I've lived in. You know, I had to restore things back to their original condition. And, you know, that's that's a very good thing. I think of the children's ministry here, right? 
restoring those areas, building new areas. Um, Dom was telling me a couple of months ago when I first got here, he's like, yeah, they had to they had to replace some of the beams in that back lobby area because the entire structure was basically being held up by windows. It's like, well, that was probably a good idea to replace those beams, right? Um, but what a blessing it is that we, we, we are able to have a great children's ministry and that there's restoration going on. You know, spiritually, things are not always the case that they should be, the way that they should be. There's brokenness. There's need for repair, need for restoration. Do you ever feel broken? I know I have. Have you ever felt dismayed? Definitely. Is your soul being held up by glass windows? Or has it been restored to what God intends? To the likeness of what it was meant to be. That is what the good shepherd does. He restores our soul. The shepherding God leads us in the path of righteousness. In the path of righteousness, purity, holiness. The New Testament says, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. We need to be on that path. And he causes us to live in step with his spirit, word, and will, and way of life. And that is living the gospel and living worthy of the gospel. I remember one time uh, when my wife and I, we went to school in Wisconsin, but lived in the Southeast, and we were driving from Wisconsin to Alabama, and we were exhausted. I'll never forget this. We were in the back country of like Indiana, and there was not a gas station for miles, or at least we thought so. We were pretty close to empty, and I had probably another 20 or 30 miles left in the tank before we were going to really have to make camp for the night. And that made me nervous. It was late, and we were tired, and uh, quite frankly, Rachel was freaking out. <laughs> it, it made for a fun road trip. <laughs> One of those where you get home, and you kind of laugh, and you're like, glad that's over. Thankfully, peering through the darkness, I saw a gas station, so I pulled in. Okay, again, it's really late. It was dark. I tried to use the pump. It didn't work. Shut off. They were closed. I got back in the car and continued toward home. I saw another gas station. I was like, yes, there was like a little bit of light on. And I do the same thing, pull up, closed. I'm like, all right, I gotta just turn off the car, pull out my GPS. So I pulled out my iPhone. Should've done this in the first place. But then we found one that was open. And we went there and I was like, I hope it's open. Thankfully it was. And I had to follow that perfect path to the only place that was shown to me to, so I could be filled up with gas, so that my car could be filled for another 400 miles. Listen, in a similar way, we must follow the one path God has designed for us to get to the one place where his life-giving righteousness and eternal satisfaction is found. It's only in him. There's only one path. And as soon as our hearts begin to wander, we feel it or we begin to lose fuel and energy, we need to be filled more through his word. This should be the constant endeavor of our lives. And I've learned since then, fill up before you get to eat, right? We should constantly be filling, not wait till we get down to be filled with the word. So remember, Yahweh, he leads his sheep on the right path, to the right place, never by accident, and always on purpose.
nothing being outside of the good shepherd's control. He leads you never to temptation, but always in the path of righteousness. So I want us to continue thinking by way of application. Well, because the good shepherd knows you, you must follow in his life-giving restoration. There's a constant restoration that he's doing in each one of us. And this restoration is his work of making you righteous. David states here, he said, the Lord leads him in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Here you see that God's righteousness is life-giving. It is restoring. And the implication is that you must follow through in his righteousness, not to gain merit, but because of the merit given to you through Jesus Christ. While I was working in a young adult ministry, my first ministry, uh, just about every week I would go on campus, the college campuses, and uh, I would share the gospel. And while I was working with them, I just enjoyed this opportunity to go out and do it. And I had been doing it for about two years, um, pretty faithfully and consistently. And I loved that time. And I saw it as a good thing that pleased God, going out and sharing the gospel, right? Evangelizing. However, even in my pursuit of God's good path, a temptation arose to become self-righteous in my work. I found my righteousness and I started to do it of my own power in what I would do for Jesus rather than what Jesus has done for me. This is not just in evangelism, but many things. When you are tempted to be righteous by believing that your diligent Bible study can gain you merit, or your unwavering church attendance will bring you worth, or your fervent giving put you in a right standing with God, you need to remember that God's righteousness is given to you. Never earned. It's not infused. It's imputed. So because of that righteousness, you must follow in the good path that God has given you. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10, right? These good works that he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He has prepared them. So he keeps that righteousness in you. You do not. So we have grasped God's righteousness as the good shepherd. Next, we will examine another key aspect, his protection, his protection. Look at verse four. It reads this. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The good shepherd protects. He protects his people. He protects his sheep. David understood if you walk with the Lord, you need not fear death or evil. That's why he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the valley of the shadow of death, I believe this is referring to all of life in the fallen world. Death came through sin, and sin came because of the fall of Adam and Eve. And so since then, this shadow of death is every life lived after that first original sin and since that first original sin. And sheep are notorious for being dumb and lacking sense of danger. They would wander off into darkness or fall and get trapped. And what David's saying here, he's saying that the shepherd's presence equals the protection in all of life in the wake of that curse of sin that brought the shadow of death. So three notes that I'd like you to understand. The Lord delivers those who know him from the power of death. 
The Lord delivers those who know him from the power of evil. And the power of death and evil have no part in the lives of those who know the good shepherd. He protects his own always. Look at verse 4a, look at the beginning. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. That's a confident assertion that David is making. For you are with me. The shepherd is with him, so he knows there is no need to fear. Walking with the good shepherd provides this comfort. And it's the comfort of his presence. He's with us. The Lord is with those who walk with him through death or dismay. The valley is often dark. Danger is coming and there must be comfort. But another aspect of this is that your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They comfort me. Now, what was a staff used for? What was the rod used for? Various things. I think of two, chastening and comforting, okay? First of all, it chastens. There was a rod of correction, a rod of correction. If a sheep began to wander off, they'd use that rod to pull them back in, right? It's a corrective rod. It's like, get back here, right? Get back here, you know, come here. You can't wander away from me. I'm your shepherd. I'm your protector. I'm your provider. Hebrews 12, verse 8 Uh, Verse six says, for those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. The sheep he loves, he disciplines. He disciplines. He will correct. How? Through his written word applied by his spirit. He does this work. But not only does he correct, but he consoles. This comfort idea, the rod of consolation. It's not get back here. It's get in here. Get close. So that way the Lord can find comfort for for you. You can find comfort in the Lord. The rod of the shepherd was used as a tool of comfort that the sheep connected to. And so it is for us. He uses it to fend off attackers, but also to comfort and to draw near. And David, David, he's the author. He's experienced this comfort. He had many close calls with death. He fought Goliath. Saul tried to spear him several times. He went to war over and over. If anybody knows what it's like to need comfort and consolation, it is David. Yet in all of that, he understood the presence of his good shepherd, the presence of his Lord. And he wouldn't allow, the shepherd would not allow any evil to overcome him and God's plan for him. But David also experienced correction. When he began to stray after Bathsheba, murdering Uriah, when he was cowardly in the cave of Adullam, hiding out, not trusting the Lord, he experienced God's correction. Think about your home. Think about this idea of protection. The good shepherd protects. When you go to sleep at night, you probably lock your doors and your windows. When you park your car, you lock the doors. Perhaps some of you even have security cameras at your house. Our nation's people spend millions on security systems for their houses and their belongings, whatever that might look like. Millions are spent on insurance for cars, boats, and businesses. And listen, for the money that's used to buy all those things in the bank. You even insure your money to buy stuff. 
Millions have been spent on protection from COVID-19 for the vaccines. And all that's not necessarily a bad thing, I'm not saying that, but all of our hope and all of our peace cannot be in the physical security that we have in the world. If it is, we have slipped into sin, the sin of not trusting God. I remember a time when I was in college and we had a large group of guys and we met once a week for this chapel, society chapel. It was a special, special thing that we would do at a Christian, Christian university. And we were playing a game. It was a pretty rough game. And I had my iPhone on me, right? And uh, I had my iPhone. I was like, I should probably take this out and put it on a table. And I'll remember the game got kind of crazy, right? College guys, we like to roughhouse. And um, my, my phone ended up sliding off the table and hitting the ground and it shattered the screen. Yeah, that's tough when you're in college and you're broke. Unfortunately, there was also, it was more than that. It was just what wasn't on my screen, the OtterBox. These things are lifesavers. My insurance was not there. The OtterBox that I decided to take was in my dorm room. So I had a cracked screen. And the OtterBox would have probably perfectly protected that, uh, that phone from cracking. So I think this is somewhat similar of how God operates with us. While God will never leave us nor forsake us like an OtterBox could an iPhone, okay, we take comfort in the fact that he is always with us and we need not fear. We need not fear evil. We need not fear the world. We need not fear the future. Everything is underneath the control of the good shepherd. And as Romans 8, 31 says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He is our shepherd. He is the shepherd of his sheep. So, because the good shepherd knows you, you must trust in his all-embracing protection. It's all-embracing. If you are in Yahweh's flock, you are not without a good shepherd. He's watching over you, he's protecting you, and you need to trust his protection in all circumstances. You may be scared, you may be fearful of a serious medical condition. It could be fear of the coronavirus or the Delta variant or the next variant that comes along. To the point you or even someone you know will not leave your house. It could be some other disease. It could be some ailment in your body. You maybe have been fighting this ailment, this pain for some time now, and you are just about ready to give up. The treatments just don't seem to work. Your body aches with the pain, and you are wondering why this is happening to you. Of course, you should pray for healing, but ultimately, God may use this sickness. God may use this issue to bring you closer to him. Or maybe for you, it's something completely different. Maybe for you, it's the fear of losing your job. Maybe a boss at work keeps riding you because you're a Christian. Or maybe you have fear for a loved one who's deployed. Or you struggle with anxiety for that next language exam. Whatever your struggle is, God is your good shepherd. It's normal to have a desire for physical safety, to provide for your family, to be in good health. But we have to understand these things don't satisfy and God never promises them on earth. The greatest protection 
is not material, it is spiritual. And I believe that's why the good shepherd is with us always. He uses these things, these difficult times in our lives to draw us closer to himself. Even when we don't understand it and we can't explain it, he uses them. So after understanding both God's righteous path and his restoration and comforting protection, let's examine the third aspect, his provision, his provision. Look in verse five, it says this, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Verse six, surely goodness and loving kindness will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The good shepherd provides. The good shepherd provides. He prepares a table. The Lord gives food to his people, spiritually speaking. Just as the shepherd provided pasture for his sheep, leading them there, even with enemies all around them, the Lord provides and sustains his sheep in the midst of those enemies. In ancient times and today, there were always predators looking for prey. Sheep being one of the easiest ones, since they were basically defenseless, it, made, it would make great prey for a wolf or a mountain lion or a bear. God, the good, shepherd's, good shepherd, leads us in the midst of our enemies. He sustains us. And so because of that, we have no human reason to fear. But not only that, he does more. Look in ver- at the end of verse five. He says, you have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. There's this idea of anointing and overflowing. The Lord sustains bountifully those who follow him. Oil would be used to keep bugs away from the sheep. This would be constantly used and continually used by the shepherds. And anointing a sheep with oil would be his sustainment. And uh, that, that is analogous of us, God's constant exposure to us in protecting us, his sheep by his word and through his spirit. He is spiritually sustaining us, giving us his Holy Spirit. So that anointing is the Holy Spirit in us. Not only does does he anoint us, but it overflows. There's more grace. There's enough grace for any situation, any circumstance that you or I could go through. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever dwelling in the house of the Lord. This goodness, this loving kindness, it comes after us all the days of our lives. Let's pause on that. Verse six. Surely goodness and loving kindness will pursue me or follow me. Okay, in other words, we experience the goodness and mercy of God. And then because we experience it, we are able then to extend it and it follows after us where we go. When we experience it, we know it's true. We believe it for ourselves. And then when we touch another person, when we talk to other people, they experience the goodness of God. 
The Lord gives dwelling to us through this experience. One writer put it this way. He said, it is the sheep's owner's presence that guarantees there is no lack of any sort, that there will be abundant green pastures, that there will be still clean waters, that there will be new paths into fresh fields, that there will be safe summers on the high tablelands, and that there will be freedoms from fear, and there will be antidotes for flies and disease and parasites, that there will be quietness and contentment. That's what the good shepherd does. I have another quote from a shepherd's look at Psalm 23. Listen to this. It's on the screen. The greatest and deepest demonstration of true love was when God looked down upon sorrowing, struggling, sinning humanity and was moved with compassion for the contrary sheep-like creatures he had made. That is grace. Looking down at us, wandering away, and pulling us back to himself. Charles Spurgeon, regarding the shepherding God and his relationship with his sheep, he put it this way. He says, I pass, as it were, through three stages. A sinner, and then I look to the good shepherd laying down his life for the sheep. I reach higher ground, and I am a saint. I look to the great shepherd to make me perfect in every good work to do his will. I mount higher still. I die. I rise again. I walk in resurrection life, and now I look to the chief shepherd and hope to receive at his hands the crown of life which he shall give me. And not only to me, not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing, the good, great chief shepherd. May God give us grace meditating upon these things to know them and enter into them. Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Have you experienced this? Have you experienced the good shepherd? One day, my wife received a call that her grandfather was soon to pass. He was dying. It was a very difficult time for my wife and her family. But knowing that her grandfather knew the Lord provided that inward peace. In fact, he knew his shepherd very intimately. He was a pastor for 40-something years and a good preacher. Many knew him as Preacher Pyle, and he could certainly preach of his Lord and Savior. And at the end of his life, drawing short of breath, he let go and was ushered into heaven. After having been laying in bed for days with his eyes closed, at that moment, in his final moment, he opened them and looked up. And at that moment, Preacher Pyle knew his good shepherd through death into everlasting life. He knew his all-encompassing provision of Christ as Savior, and he is still knowing it today. He went to God, his provider, Just like Preacher Pyle treasured and exalted in God's provision at the end of his life, so you can exalt in the glory of God and the hope of glory with him now and forever. I think why that moment was so intimate as all of his his four children were watching was because his life was so rich in Christ, his shepherd, 
He knew him intimately, and he knew him over a, a lifetime. He walked with his good shepherd while on earth, and right now he's walking with him in eternity. And so can you. So because the good shepherd knows you, you must forever exalt in his all-encompassing provision. God is the provider for his people. Because of who he is, he deserves our praise and we should exult in him. God is the giver of every good gift, James 1.17 tells us. If you need something, certainly ask him. And if you do really need it, that good shepherd, he will provide it. He will do it according to his plan. But the most significant gift in this life is his son, Jesus Christ. He provided Christ as the one who shows his mercy through the cross. So trust his sacrifice on the cross. One thing you might be struggling with, maybe, is some financial burden. Maybe you're struggling with debt. You fear you will not have any way to get out of it. You need to trust God as your provider. There are others here um, who maybe you feel very good financially. You don't lack anything. I'd encourage you, don't become self-sufficient. Trust in God. Both ways of thinking, of thinking you have too much or too little, okay, may be undercutting God's provision because he provides exactly what you need. So you must trust him in all circumstances as the provider of everything, realizing that all these gifts are of his grace. So this morning, I want you to take this away, okay? As we come to a close, the Lord, Yahweh, is the shepherd who restores, protects, and provides for his sheep. He is the one. He restores, he protects, and he provides for his sheep. There's a relationship. And so because of this, because the good shepherd knows us, we must follow in his life-giving restoration and righteousness. We must trust in his all-embracing protection, and we must forever exult in his all-encompassing provision. Remember how I wandered from my mother as a young child? I was lost in the toy aisle, and because I was so distracted by all those things around me, I forgot that I was even lost. Well, thankfully, she came after me. She pursued me. She was like a good shepherd. So you, when you feel lost or in danger, spiritually straying, remember that the good shepherd is coming after you. He will not lose his own. He cares for you as his sheep. And Christ, the good shepherd, he is the one who laid down his life for the sheep. And that is the gospel the greatest provision of the chief shepherd, God the Father, is providing the substitutionary sacrifice, Christ the Son, on behalf of sinful sheep. That is the greatest provision. The greatest provision, the main provision. We can have all these earthly provisions, but if we don't have that, it's all in vain. So the great shepherd is your shepherd if you are in Christ. So let me ask you a question. Is God your shepherd? I understand that this is church. Most of us are believers. But maybe you've come this morning and you don't know if the Lord is your shepherd. You don't have a relationship with him. If you don't, I plead with you this morning. Repent of your sin and trust in Christ completely today. 
Because without him, there is no spiritual restoration or righteousness. There is no spiritual protection or safety. And there is no spiritual provision or life. By his grace, receive him today in faith. Christ commands you to trust in him alone. For those who are in Christ's flock, let us never forget and always pursue the good shepherd, knowing that he is always with us. If you are a Christian, have you wandered or strayed? Are you the true sheep of the great shepherd? I want you to listen to this quote from John Bunyan in The Pilgrim's Progress. It's in the context of Christian and hopeful, okay? And they're talking to the shepherds. It says this, Then I saw in my dream that the shepherds had them to another place, in a bottom, where was a door in the side of a hill. And they opened the door and bid them looking. They looked in, therefore, and saw that within it was very dark and smoky. They also thought that they had heard a rumbling noise of fire, and a cry of some tormented, and that they smelt the scent of brimstone. Then said Christian, what means this? The shepherds told him, this is a byway to hell, a way that hypocrites go in, namely, such as sell their birthright, like with Esau, such as sell their master with Judas, such as blaspheme the gospel with Alexander, and the lie and dissemble with Ananias and Sapphira, his wife. Then said hopeful to the shepherds, I perceive these had on them, even every one, a show of pilgrimage, as we have now, had they not? Shepherd responded, yes, and held it a long time too. So what type of sheep are you? This is convicting. If you are here and you are a wandering sheep, return to the good shepherd's staff. If you think you're a sheep, and you may not be, you need to know the good shepherd. His restoration, his protection, and his provision in your life are available. If you are lost, be found. I beg you to come to the good shepherd and be saved by him. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you are the good shepherd. Lord, that you are the one who comes and restores your sheep. You protect your sheep and you provide for your sheep. I thank you for this flock here, this body of believers who love you and desire to be a faithful part of your flock. Lord, I pray that if there be one sinner in here this morning who has not trusted in you by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone, that they would talk with somebody after this service, that they might know the power of your resurrection and the good shepherd's staff. I pray these things in the name of Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.